0: Good evening ladies and gentlemen, my name is Grove, and welcome once again to another episode of the Rip Raw and Reds podcast. This is episode 8. We're going to be discussing Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest. I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Chase. How has your Sunday been?
1: Uh, Knackering. It was meant to be a rest day. Absolutely knackering. All household chores. Missed most of the football. Didn't watch any of it. So, tiring. But, on the other hand, you must have had a lazy Sunday, right? Because you are hobbling around the Emirates. So how's the foot?
0: Yeah, my, my foot is all right. I was I was hobbling around a little bit. Uh, for anybody that would, would care to know, I don't know what's happened to my foot. I've got no idea. As most people have told me, I'm just getting old. And so I braved uh, the, the London streets to hobble around and it's feeling much better today. I've had the opportunity to elevate it and rest it up and also the excuse to watch pretty much all of the football all day. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed my Sunday. It's been pretty relaxing. Gone too quickly, unfortunately, though. That's, that's the worst thing.
1: Well, what Grev hasn't mentioned was that, um, I'm going to say this anyway, you might tell me off after, you weren't supposed to go to the football, you were getting moaned at, understandably, because your foot's really bad, and because you've got to take the kids to Chessington World of Adventures on Tuesday
0: yeah so I think my my foot's going to recover just in time to get significantly worse by Tuesday so so thanks for putting me more in the doghouse really appreciate that I'm sure Sarah doesn't
1: listen to this
0: well I have I sometimes have on the podcast in the car just to listen back to my dulcet tones. so she's not going to enjoy this one uh so yeah I appreciate that (laughs) right uh that's all right um, right, let's get into the introduction and we'll get into the talking points of this episode. We're going to be talking a lot about the Arsenal-Forest game, which we did win uh, 2-1, but there's some really good talking points, whether it was the, which Arsenal were going to turn up, whether it's the changes in R11, whether it's the new signings. We're going to talk about all of that and more. So let's get into that introduction.
1: Saka. Saka! That is a diamond in the goal. It's Berca. That's magnificent.
0: This is this is my club. I fucking love this club.
1: Sorry. it's won the goal. Gabriel Martinelli He's scoring for
0: Arsenal. Right that is our introduction and as always we're going to start like we start every single episode with our rip roaring review tell me jace it's only been one day since i've seen you there's been a lot going on we've obviously had a lot of chats already but tell me what's your big bold stuff that's coming into this sunday talk to me about it uh
1: for me i think just because you score the most goals in the premier league does not mean you should be pfa player of the year and yeah screw it i am biased but sacker is got to be in for a shout this year if he continues his form he was in for a shout last year in my opinion but that goal which we'll talk about more it just it, it lit my mind because we were right behind that goal and and I made that note right then I was like he for me this year I, I really hope he goes he gets PFA player of the year I think he's got in for a good shout and I think just because you know you score all of the goals that win your team in the league doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best player in the league in my opinion um makes you a strong contender but there are other attributes that players bring to teams and so I'm hoping he's in for a shout that's mine how about you come on
0: I mean yours is pretty bold so I don't know I'm going to be yeah. competing uh competing with that one <laughs> um I, I don't don't know what i feel about that days to be honest Uh, maybe something for another time um mine, mine is uh the barclays is back um i think that for me is the most exciting thing about the entire weekend football is back I absolutely love it. I'm here for it. I'm a big, uh, as Jason knows, a big uh, fantasy football player. I spent a lot of my time in uh, in London with with uh, Jason and one of our friends, checking my phone, checking the scores, checking who's done what. I spent most of today watching the football, trying to figure out uh, who did what and where and how and why. Um, got up and uh, was close to celebrating, definitely not celebrating a Chelsea goal by any means, but chill well, uh, did have a goal and then was disallowed. Uh, So I was pretty uh, annoyed about that. But uh, yeah, just excited just to have the Premier League back and and have my weekend either ruined or elated by 11 blokes chasing around a football. Um, So yeah, pretty exciting.
1: If anyone from the UK uh, mobile networks is listening, if you could improve the signal at the Emirates Stadium for the benefit of Grev so he can see his points updated live, he'd much appreciate it uh, because he was getting quite angry.
0: Yeah, it was uh, you know, I'm literally as soon as Saka's goals in, I'm checking my phone. Right, where's my points? I want to see him. I want to get on the board. I want to see where I'm at. The, the phone signal at the Emirates is is pretty atrocious. Um, so yeah, I, I like Jason's uh, call for arms there. If anybody's got any ties, you know, reach out, do your thing. I want to I want to get that improved performance real time, so I can get it when I need it. Good shout. It's a good shout. Um, right, we're going to move on uh, out of our written review. I think yours is much bolder than mine, Jace, uh, so I'm going to have to make sure that I go big uh, next time we're around. Um, we're going to start by uh, a little tale called Jekyll and Hyde. Um, Arsenal's performance, uh, 2-1 victory, as we've already said, against Nottingham Forest, it was not exactly a straightforward affair and was definitely a, a tale of, of two halves. I'd like you, Jace, to talk me through What do you think about the first half and what do you think about the second half and how did they differ? And was there a a turning point that made those two things differ?
1: Yeah, there was a turning point, in my opinion. Um, I felt like Arteta was, and I think he is, the fact that we, you know, we'll talk specifically about some of the key changes and pass it right back. But the thing I will say overall, in regards to which Arsenal is turning up, We're still experimenting, so we don't always know which Arsenal is going to turn up. It's clear we're experimenting, because there was a change in in the formation at the back compared to City. And you could have argued that the City performance should have been our starting lineup, but it wasn't. Um, So in regards to which Arsenal is going to turn up, I think until we've kind of... I know you said that we are going for a squad that's more unpredictable this season, which means we might see... Not quite as a settled starting eleven as we've seen last season. At the same time, I think that's also going to make it really hard to understand which Arsenal's turned up, especially for experimenting with with uh, formations and tactics that we haven't always played so regularly compared to last year. It's actually going to be really hard to predict. What I would say, just from what we saw, um, dominated the first half. Uh, you know, I, I I think we were frustrated not to go in more than two 0 up. I think that's. I. I. I think three 0 would have been perfect scoreline. Um, was it you? About... Was it said
0: to me that two nil was the the most dangerous scoreline, or is that? Well, is that yeah,
1: because one. Yeah, well, one. If you score, if you go in at three, the game's dead. If you go in at two, they're backing it with one goal, and we'll talk about in a sec the 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 the, the last twenty minutes, um, which weren't fun, because. This is the problem, right? When like, we talk about what what Arsenal turn up, we begin the first half. We showed why we were where we were last season, why we're one of the best teams in the league. Um, the counter-attacking football, when but also the domination of possession, just Saka. I mean, Saka's going to have a different challenge this year because everyone they're like the Saka's just been doubled up, doubled up. On by every every team he plays against, right, and they still can't handle him. They still can't handle him. It takes two, and they still can't do it. Um, which which is great to see. But we 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 were roasting him. Martinelli and right in front of us, like he uh Sergio had just mate. He's, he I don't know how he's still playing in the Premier League. He's he's a you can see he's kind of a good footballer, and you know he's played for Tottenham, he's played for PSG, but. He's passed it now. Um, he can play in another league, but he can't play in the Premier League. Uh he, then he
0: has a pace for it, right?
1: Well, Premier yeah. League. He I mean, he he he's a muscly lad, Sergio. You can tell he's he's kind of looked up far, up close. He, he he looked very muscly and very stacked. Um, but when you're playing against Martinelli, who can just knock it past you, or as he did, beautiful nutmeg, um, and just run past you he beat him every time and it, it, he was getting very angry and it was hilarious to watch absolutely hilarious um so yeah i mean going forwards uh we're great so first half um we'll talk about the goals in more detail later but really good first half um and also i will just mention the work rate salibra particularly um w- was great with his ball recovery the second half uh, we. uh looked tired in particularly certain positions um we got caught on the counter and that's when we let the goal in and then it looked more flat the second half the second half was a bit more flat we didn't have as many obvious goal scoring chances um and then we were in control of the game but we just got caught on one counter attack that was the only attack that i can really remember in the game um especially the second half and um we were punished. And then it just made the last 10 minutes, especially just like completely unnecessarily nervy. It felt very familiar. Arsenal performance. We held out for the win, so we can't complain. I think 2-1 doesn't reflect. It should have been 3 or 4-1. Ironically, I said 4-1 for the score as well, so I'm really peed off because it should have been 4-1. <laughs> um So yeah, that, that's like a very uh <laughs> long-winded summary of uh how I felt the game went. But um like, tell me what what were your standout points from the game? Like, what 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 stood out to you about that performance?
0: Uh, like like you kind of said, some of the work rate was you know absolutely brilliant from start to well, I'd say start to finish, probably start to seventy minutes. Um, particularly like you say, maybe Saliba, Martinelli in particular, Rice, all all very good at ball recovery. Um, our press again. So I said this in the City game, we had a really well patient thought out aggressive press that really suffocated any balls they had so every time there was um a kind of pass out from the back for them we we kind of swarmed around them red shirts all together kind of doing it and it made them really difficult for for them to play out from the back I think there was a a, probably a 15 to 20 minute segment where we camped in their half where I think when it was the second half the start of the second half at least we were on the opposite side to where we were attacking And we could Mm -hmm. see, we we weren't seeing anything because they weren't really getting into our half and we kind of penned them down. But admittedly, I think you said it there, didn't really create very much from it. And I I would say, so they didn't create very much either. I think they actually had a a higher XG than us, which was quite surprising considering they didn't. I mean, I know that we didn't create very much, but neither did they um, in
1: reality. Let me ask you a question then. So second half was flat. And you're right, we were pending their half, but we didn't create. So we went in two nil half time, absolutely dominating the game. We were thinking, right, we're gonna win this three four nil or well, three or four one, because as I say, there's always one. Like, there's always one goal we can see. Mm. But do you think then we've still not uh solved the problem of the low block? Because that's what it felt like they were playing. It just felt very familiar to games last season, right? They knew that they they were two 0 down. They probably weren't going to win the game. Um, if they'd have continued to be more open, we'd have caught them on the counter attack and maybe scored more. So they just played the low block. So my question to you is: Have or can we still not break down the low block?
0: No, I think I think we tried, and I think what we did was exactly what I thought we would do. Which has moved Havertz to the nine position i think when i've talked about versatility and unpredictability in, in past podcasts i think that is how arteta views it a lot of the time we know we came unstuck a lot last season against the low block where we couldn't break it down and i think the majority of our ability to do to break that down would be over the top and that's where Havertz as a nine was probably something we tried i think it was a little bit too late unfortunately and the, the reason why i think it was too late um was because of the timber injury the timber really injury changed the game and the the way in which we approached that game um his 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 going forward was really, really he defensively he was so astute but going forward he was also really really good as well and he really did allow that extra man in midfield that we kind of needed to unlock their defense and then put those balls in as soon as he became injured and uh what do we do I kind of, we didn't replace him with Gabriel straight away. I'm trying to remember who we replaced him with once it happened. Tommy Yasu. Tommy Yasu. Like, Tommy Yasu is not Urien Timber. He, he's, he's solid, but I don't think he's got enough run of games to kind of know exactly what he offers. He doesn't offer as much going forward. He also can't invert the same as Timber has done. So we weren't quite as versatile and dynamic as we normally are with him on the mm. pitch. And it kind of just didn't allow us to play our football. I don't think, I think Arteta was forced into that change because it's not the change you would have wanted to have made.
1: Why do you think that we're putting Tommy in rather than Tierney? Because we're seeing Tierney rumours that he's on his way to sociodad on loan. Um, when we signed Tomiyasu, we were at Tierney and we were basically looking for a right back. The equivalent of Tierney was left back and we brought in Tommy Yasu. We we're really happy. That was two seasons ago, and we uh, we felt that the defence was evolving at that point, and it was because you know the players we had before them, Cedric Suarez, I think, was Futimi Asli came in to replace, and it was an upgrade. But now we've evolved our wing backs even further, you know, Zinchenko, Timber, Ben White, um, so we've we've stepped on a game. So my question is, should we be bringing Tommy Asli on at left back?
0: I mean for me because I, I agree with you i think that i'd be looking to shift Tom Yasu rather than tne i think the only reason we're probably not doing that as i suspect there's more value in tne to be unlocked um and the i've talked in previous pods about incremental gains um i don't think the incremental gains between tne and Tom yasu are that great um, and as such you look at the value in this if you're a mathematician you probably look at that one being the more astute uh for us to make but like I just don't it's hard right because I think it's it's pretty clear T and he's not not in he, he's obviously on his way out he's not even uh featuring on the bench which is just odd because I think we've got so many uh, right back options like you say maybe not as many left back but maybe Shinchenko once Shinchenko comes back and I think he'll be ready for the Palace game next week I think we'll be assessing what happens with timber I don't think i've not read anything else that would give me a more clarity on what his injury is or like seemed in the ground like a it should be a bad one by the looks of things the reason why i say that is because it was just innocuous it was nothing around him he'd obviously had the injury just on the stroke of half time and obviously i i think those two things have to be unrelated now unless because he he came back out they must have assessed him at half time and recognized that he was still able to play the rest of the game and the fact that there was no one around him, it's not like a knock, it's not like an impact injury. I'm worried that it could be bad. And then if it is, then I think we keep Tierney. But um, I suppose the assessment is yet to be seen.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll find out, I guess, during the week when news starts to come out. And I guess he won't have his assessments done properly until today and tomorrow. So we're not going to know so that yet. Another,
0: uh, yeah, another thing about that as well, though, is if we do end up finding out what, if it's bad, then we, we're going to be pretty... We're going to be in the market and people are going to know that we can be played with because we, we are, we're at a risk. We, we need something to fill that gap or we can't sell. So they might low ball us off us on t for example, for us to get somebody else. I'm just not sure. Think, There's not a good, I don't think, not a good way to look at it.
1: I don't think we sell t I mean, what's the point in trying to buy a player, another player in that we don't want? Because if Timber's fit, then that player we're buying in or bringing in isn't, isn't getting the game and you've got Schenko anyway. So, um, I think the I mean the worst case is we keep Tierney or we keep playing Tommy Yasu though. I think that's but I don't yeah. see us buying anyone.
0: Else. I just I just it's such an odd thing, and I've said this before. I don't fully understand how you can get Tomiyasu an actual right back to then fill in the left back when you have a left back. It just seems odd. Well, he's left
1: he's left centre back for Japan, so clearly he can play with his left foot, they think. So that's why. Yeah. Should we move on?
0: Yeah, let's let's move on. We've, we talked about the first half and the second half a little bit about some of those players, but we're going to talk about now the changes. So like you said, uh, we did make some changes going into this game compared to uh, the City game. Um, and the thing I'm most interested to hear from you, Jace, is do you feel that those changes were justified? And if you do, why do you think they were justified?
1: So definitely changes up front. Um were justified by the performance that we saw by Eddie and I think we we've, we've got a section for Eddie so I won't talk much more about that um the right back changes clearly uh, my 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 analysis is that I think Arteta identified that he still wants to experiment um and that's why you saw Thomas Partey at right back because when I saw him when you said to me outside the ground when you showed me the squad and you went parties right back i was like oh sorry I'm about to swear but i wasn't confident basically um uh, a little bit of uh trauma from the game we were away at forest at the end of last season one of the games where we you know we threw through bottled brackets the league um because we played party at right back uh and 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 that was because we felt that we could play georginio in the center But we really missed Party when he didn't play in the central midfield position last the end of last season. Um, This was a slightly different kind of change, though. It it definitely worked fine for the first half. We were amazing in the first half. Thomas Party, I thought, played well in the first half. Um, He didn't play half the time at right back. He was inverted in the central midfield position. And so on the attack, it actually it gave us depth in the midfield. Um, because we had Odegaard, Rice, Zinchenko, and Havertz. Sorry, not Zinchenko. Odegaard, wow. Rice, Party, and uh, and Havertz. He played so
0: much like Zinchenko, you're getting mixed up, Dave.
1: Well, but this was the thing, right? It, we had a, a depth there, and then uh, and and then we were good with ball recovery with Saliba. So we kind of we kind of squashed any counter attacks that they did have when there was maybe a gap that party wasn't filling it right back because Saliba was so quick. He was over there and covering. So that works really, really well. However, the second half, we saw the fatigue and the, um, we saw, uh, what were my concerns come to life, which is they kind of started to target that space more more aggressively when they did get a chance. When they got a, they got a couple of attacks into our field. One that was actually a, a, a attack that actually led to some form of actual genuine threat, and they scored from it. Uh, they didn't target the left side of the pitch. They target oh they targeted our right side of the pitch, not our left side of the pitch. And party was in no man's land, and we, that that was where we let the goal in. Um, so it didn't work. He got caught a few times being short and that's where I don't know if that's because he's not played the position too regularly and he's just not, you know, he's still learning it. Um, mm-hmm. but at that point, we you know it all, it all changed. Um, Gabrielle straight away was a substitution, right? We went soon. As soon as we went down, that one goal down, Gabriel was on, um, And, and we, we went back to our standard back four minus Timber, cause Tommy Asu was already in. Um, and we did look more solid then. Um, we, you know, it was a pretty, and we, and we still had, we were still in there half and most of it. So, you know, we kind of went back to the formation that we knew worked and it was fine. We rode it out. It was a bit nervy. It always is. Yeah. Um, so did the changes, were the changes justified? I wouldn't have done it personally, but you have to trust in a manager. If he feels he needs, still needs to experiment with that and and make those kind of changes in games that he feels are low risk, then then we have to trust that Arteta knows what he's doing. At the end of the day, we came away with the three points. I would have liked more goal, bigger goal difference, but it is what it is. Um, do you think the changes were justified?
0: Uh, straight answer, no um like you i probably would have done something a bit different i think the biggest thing that stood out to me well firstly that when they did counter-attack and scored that goal and i don't think you'll see a better counter-attack and football goal this season i thought it was perfect everything they did moving forward um was was very very good and i yeah i just don't think you'll see a better one all season i think they did fantastic in transition i think they played the ball really really well and um yeah I can't fault them for what they did I think the main thing from us is like you say party was playing that position he was caught out and Saka was having to do the recovery I think we saw three attempts at down that right hand side in the space of about five to ten minutes they all were counter-attacking football and they all were targeted on that side and Saka luckily recovered at least one of them I suspect the second one as well he was doing all the running that party couldn't do party effectively was just very leggy very lethargic and I think it it just doesn't have enough in the tank to be able to play that position for 90 minutes or uh, 110 whatever ended up being because of all the extra time
1: yeah I mean he's still playing his midfield game he was still doing what we needed him to do in midfield but then he's also got a cover and right back so uh, yeah, I can understand that, that fatigue perspective. But that I comment. think he's also, he's
0: just gotta be he's just gotta be faster as well in, in that like in that transition in the in the central midfield role that he plays, he doesn't necessarily have to recover as quick. And I think the signing of Rice, which we'll talk a little bit about in a minute, was one of the reasons why he now doesn't have to do that as much because Rice can, he's just got such a great engine. Um so yeah, I just don't understand and that my, my wonder is here, and you're talking about unpredictability. Is this a game that we can afford unpredictability at the expense of a goal? Yes, I think it is. Because I think this is a game that we look at, a home game against Nottingham Forest. We're going to come away with three points, even if we look a bit fragile. And, you know, I don't think we're going to be doing that away at Anfield. Put it that way.
1: I don't think we should be doing it in any way away game. Um, However... Luton, I, dis- I, I, did, <laughs> I I, I, no, nah, I, I disagree with your comment. And even in a home game, we shouldn't be doing it. In my opinion, um, we went to Southampton last year. We went to Brentford last year at home. Those games, teams, in, especially Southampton, bottom of the league, nothing to play for. We're pretty much already relegated. And Southampton just have our number. They just have draw. our number.
0: Don't they just, honestly, are
1: they, on, they are, no. they are new. Chelsea Not that, to us. Well, they they're down now, so it doesn't matter. But
0: well, exactly, so we might
1: get away without, but... without a bogey team this year. Uh, I don't know that'll be bogey team will be Brighton.
0: Yeah, they've think... they've also done us quite well. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That'll be our bogey team. I think the has got Arteta's number a little bit. I think.
0: I mean, I was I was going to say this. You know, after you know, when's all said and done, and Arteta does move on for whatever reason that might be. Uh, I would, I would love us to get uh, the zebra next. I think he is exactly the type of manager that could be a good next step and next evolution of what the the plan that we've got at Arsenal is all about.
1: Well, guys, you heard it here when uh, when Graves calling for Arteta out in in December. The uh, De zebra's in. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be, I'll
0: be clear. Uh, I am never one to have a manager out, even at the worst of times with Arsene Wenger. I was still very much an Arsene Wenger advocate because of the things that he'd done for our club. I know that you yeah. were weren't quite as uh, had the quite the same affinity that I did, but I think both of ah. us weren't never were not never we were never fully out, you know Arsene Wenger out brigade. Uh,
1: I was never fully Arsene Wenger out because of uh, a, a major respect for what he has done, and I think even though I felt maybe a change would be good for the club. Um I was never vocally aggressive as a lot of our fans were. I was just, just like, you know, as fan like between you and I was like, yeah, come on, we probably do need a change. But I also felt if anything it was the wrong time. Well, you know actually, you know, hindsight is great. I would have kept Wenger for longer and rode through the hard time and got got through the other side because Unai was the only manager I've ever genuinely been like he's got to go. I I, think I, I lost my patience with Unai Emery. Um, I think we have yeah, seen want... seeing some
0: of that second season syndrome at Aston Villa after yesterday's late late game.
1: Yeah, we might be, um, especially with the money they spent. They got absolutely spanked, didn't they? By Villa, um, yeah. by Newcastle. They were,
0: they were honestly. I watched the second half and they, yeah, ripped absolutely ripped apart. Ripped apart.
1: Not good. Um, I mean, Tom Mings right, so went off
0: early injured. He, he's quite a big, big store of them. Yeah, I know we're getting into some other <laughs> other, other teams' topics. Another thing for another day. Um,
1: go on, Jace, so You can introduce this part. So, what? Compare it. Oh, comparing the new guys, so the new signings. So, uh, Grev, let's let's talk about the first subject in here. Habits. Your perspective on the Habits performance
0: uh so i'm um, i've seen a lot uh, and obviously watching the game i think me and jason quickly before the pod started we had a quick discussion and watching the game in the stadium versus watching it on highlights or watching it on tv are two very different beasts you don't get to see a lot of the 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 play that happens particularly in the where we were sat we were sat in the uh, lower concourse of the clock end and so our view is directly uh, along the pitch rather than say in the middle so you don't necessarily get to see the spread and the the length and the, the the depth of the pitch, but I would say that from what I did see of Havertz, he, he does everything fine. um He does exactly kind of what you expect him to do, and he does it fine. It's a general five or six out of ten performance. There's nothing that's going to set the world alight. He got the opportunity again to score goals and uh, a couple of shots that he managed to get away, and um, then neither of them truly came off. Um, the one thing I think I said to Jace in the in the ground. He just looks so disinterested. He just—he just looks like he can't. He's like—he like he like can not be bothered. I don't know what it is. He's very slow. He's very like plodding along. It just doesn't compute to me. I, I, you know, Arteta must have seen something.
1: So you do remember what you said in the ground, then? I um, do. I, uh, <laughs> that was my quote I had for you. And you said you couldn't remember. Uh, yeah, you uh, you referenced the disinterested. Um, particularly, you I remember calling it out. And I and I, even I was as a fan in the moment in the grounds. Really, I was frustrated by what I saw in those mo- a couple of those moments. Particularly, there were some times when uh, Mark he we we put him into. I think he Eddie came off and he went into the number in nine position, and um, Martinelli had the ball. Or was it Trossard? I can't remember maybe I can't remember who had it because Martinelli came off for Trossard. but um, the uh, they had the ball on the left, and they were going. They were going, but they were going with no one to then pass it to once they got where they needed to go, you know, sprinting down the pitch. and And you were i I was angry. You were vocally going, run then, run like at Havertz because he just wasn't moving. He was just so. He just it, like to your words. He was disinterested. Was like, why are you not going? Like, I don't know what what he's been told. Even if, to you, do, even but... if you don't think you're going to
0: make it, like you say, you, you've got to you've got to yeah, try. You, I know we see this got in like to... casual football, but most people
1: just give up. It's like I mean, there's like three players around Trossard here. Like he's not going to. Like you got you got to give your teammates some support, and that was the thing that in the ground I remember like particularly riled us up. Um, and th- and that led me to ask you another question, or another. I had I created another question. That I thought about: um, Are we going to have a problem with Havertz's body language? Because we did with Mesut. Um and and as much as we recognise that there's a, a similarity to Mezut's body language, and we know that much might be the type of player, and I have to accept that. I think that there is a, a difference between having a, a dis uh, a disinterested uh, body language and then actually just running because you need to run there's a difference between the two and so i just wanted your perspective on that like do you think we're going to have a problem with his body language do you think this is going to be a, a problem for us i don't and the, and the reason i
0: don't think that we will have a problem is because of our Petra is uh, a ruthless absolutely ruthless manager we've seen it already with the likes of Ramsdale and Rea happening right underneath us right now we saw it with Obama Yang with her, his first um uh, foray into disengaging and dis, uh, disagreeing with the manager Arteta does not stand for anything that goes against his non-negotiables and I think this is one of them. I think if you're not giving 100% every single time that you're playing, you're not playing with the vigour that he wants you to play with, you, you'll soon see the back of the door. Um, so I don't think there's going to be a lot of chances that he's going to get to play like this. Like I said, I do feel that Arteta must see something in him that is different to what we see. He's coming in the Xhaka role. And one thing that Xhaka did do a lot of last season is score more goals. He scored a lot more than he ever had done before playing in that position. And that's really what Havertz was supposed to elevate up beyond the Shaka role to score even more. And right now, we're just not seeing what kind of we we've seen him get shots away, but he's not doing those same kind of late runs into the box that Shaka was doing. He's actually finding himself, like you say, in the number nine position, tight areas in the box and having to snap shot away and and not necessarily them coming off. So I don't think we're gonna have a problem. And if we do eventually kind of do have a problem, he isn't going to be playing in that position for very much longer. We've seen it plenty of times before, where those players stop performing, and then they see the door, or they'll see the bench.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, talk to me a little bit about Declan Rice's performance.
0: I suppose it's a little bit like two sides of a coin, right, um, in, that, in that midfield position. Declan Rice, on the other hand, did do a lot really well this game was probably unlucky not to score as well I think he did get a shot that was quite well struck a little bit further out the the usual you know Thomas party 30 35 yarder that everyone in the ground is shooting shoot and we've been there Jason going no do not shoot because Thomas party scores about one in every 400 of those um it was on target from Declan which was good um he had such a great engine his ball recovery is absolutely fantastic I think that is going to save us in the region of five goals across this season last year we were caught out several times in that jack party pivot because neither of them necessarily have the the pace um for ball recovery um and thus uh declan rice kind of fills in that gap so he was really really good he ran throughout um he's a he's a good leader as well i think i've seen some some clips afterwards like i see you don't necessarily see some of this in the ground but he's, he's shouting where players need to go he's directing traffic he's telling them where gaps to fill in i think there's one point where he's like telling habits the position he should play what positions he should come into and instructing him where he should be filling in um he understands the system already i think and i think we've, we're we yet to see the best from him but i think he's fitting in really really well um and the one thing i would say as well i saw a little clip of him leaving the emirates in his car and it was absolutely hounded by about 300 arsenal fans um I mean if it was me and that was my car I'd be like get off my car um because that's probably ruined now but um I don't I, I suspect he's never had this much affinity with a fan base like I just can't see it at West Ham um I think he loves being Arsenal I tweeted as well he was singing the the lyric to the Angel by Lewis Dunford yes, you know I, I, he's pushing all the right buttons uh for Arsenal fans for sure um so yeah loving loving it so far I'm you know I'm what what do you think? Because I think that you you've you know been screaming and screaming and screaming throughout the pods for the Rice and Party pivot. We've got it pretty much on the bounce now. It seems like that's probably going to be the way we go for a lot of our games. I know we didn't see it particularly at the start of this game, but it certainly came into fray um, against Man City. What do you what did you think about Rice's performance?
1: Yeah, um, a solid seven out of ten. Like kind of what we need from him every game, um, and. I mean, I'm happy for him to shoot. Why? Because we know he can score. We know he can score some beautiful goals. We saw a couple of amazing goals at West Ham last year. Uh, I mean, we saw him shoot, and you, you were mentioning the party reference. I was celebrating a goal that didn't go in. Um, do you remember the one right in front of us? Because uh, there was a massive gap. There was a massive gap that the keeper had left uh, to, to the right uh, right right side of his goal and rice saw that and he shot from outside the box on i saw the replay on tv it looks a lot further away but it didn't look that far away from where we were and i was like there's no way keeper's getting getting that and it was going straight in the bottom corner i was celebrating pretty much before it even and somehow keeper saved it and i was in i just couldn't believe that it didn't go in um it's so yeah no, i'm
0: goalkeeper, keeper jace that's why
1: usa usa <laughs> Let um, out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm really happy with his performance. Um, he didn't we didn't miss Shaka uh at all that game, in my opinion. Um he fitted in nicely. Uh good energy, solid passing, kept the ball moving. Um and I think I know what I want to see now. Um I don't want to see Party inverted right back again. I said I didn't want to see it before the game, if i honest. It did work okay in the first half, but I don't want to take the risk. Ben White, right back all the way. Saliba and Gabriel at the back. Timber, Zinchenko, left back. I wanna see I want to see Partey in right in the middle. I wanna see Odegaard. Obviously his standard's gonna be there. And uh, if it's not Jesus, I wanna see Eddie. And I wanna have it on the bench for now until he has a bit more time in training and maybe some League Cup games and a couple of games in the Champions League against smaller teams to learn those roles that he needs to play. That's what I want to see at the moment. Um, and yeah, I like the pivot. I think it works fine with those two. Um, so there was one other signing. We mentioned his injury already. We don't know the excess of the injury. But... Um, talk to me one question i had who plays left back next game if he's not going to be playing with timber, no, timber or well, yeah back. i mean i think Zinchenko,
0: Zinchenko is going to come into left back i think he, he's already in full training he he will just fill in and it'll be our our, our four back four from from last season jinchenko Sliba, gabriel and white what happens when timber comes back depends on jinchenko's performances when he gets those games under his belt but i would say from this game in particular once again, every time we've seen him play, you can't usurp him because he he's making that position his own. He's been very, very good, very dynamic, that drop of the shoulder, that shimmy, as Jace keeps calling it. Love to see it. He did it again. He did. And he was just, you he know, he just he just fits so naturally in that position. And and you know, I don't I don't feel like we've lost a step in that position when he plays it. Like it's so weird to kind of think naturally you're right back. Fitting in at the wrong position, also doing uh, a different role and system, and he just he felt like he's always played there for us, and so really disappointed that he has picked up a knock, and hopefully it's nothing too serious. I hopefully wish him all the best to come back and have a good recovery. But yeah, it was was a, was an excellent game from him. The first forty five minutes was yeah exemplary.
1: Do you know what? It sounds. Really, this is going to sound hilarious. So I'm not going to name people, but I kind of get the timber at left back thing. I'm right-footed. I can play with my left, but I'm right. And I used to play uh, for AFC Newbury at right-back. But I occasionally got put at left-back. In fact, then I ended up getting put left-back all the time, even though there was a left-back who was actually left-footed, and I kept him on the bench. And uh don't know why, but I can see, long as you can know, long as you know, the, my point I'm trying to make is, because I'm not, not I, this is amateur football I'm talking about here, but my point is, if you can learn and understand the position and know what's required of you, it's pretty easy to pivot the side, um, and you don't, not, the left foot isn't necessarily as crucial to the role. Um, if you're running to the byline and putting crosses in, yeah, fine. You've got to have a left foot, but um, but yeah, he he in in what he's doing, which is playing left back, winning balls. Making passes, you can do that with his left or his right, and then he's inverting and stepping in. Which again is coming to a more of a midfield role. So you know, then then it doesn't really matter which foot you're playing on to an extent when you're doing that inverted role. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's fine, and I think the way we're playing it works because uh, yeah, then you have Rice coming across to the left anyway. So yeah,
0: yeah. I might as well um, while I'm here, I'll get my phone out, Jason. I'm just going to call up Arteta and let him know that. It's another left back option if he wants it. Want me to? I'll just fill him in for you. If that's all right.
1: Yeah, sure. Go for it. I mean, I'll pay. <laughs> what well, I'll play. I'll play 40, forty minutes. I'll give him 40, 45 minutes. He, he likes sixty to seventy, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well,
0: while I've, while I've got my phone out then, jace I'll tell you what I'm also going to do. I'm going <laughs> to dial <laughs> goal uh, for Eddie so that the title of this segment is Dial Goal for Eddie um a a proper striker's uh performance. We have waxed lyrical on previous pods um about who who should be, who would be the striker. And maybe um it wasn't, you know, all the dominoes haven't naturally fell in the way that we expected them to to get us to here. But tell me, Jace, what did you what did you think about his performance today? Did did you enjoy it? Did you like it? And I think you already said it once. It seems like to me, you believe he's going to be the number nine, at least going forward for the short term.
1: Yeah, simply because he he is filling in the role that we need him to fill in. Um, we, we discussed this in a previous pod, but when he comes off the bench, he's not as effective. But when he starts, he's brilliant. And he proved that last year and he proved it the year before, actually, the season before last year when he was replacing Lacazette. And then he came on, he started from the beginning and he was brilliant. I mean, his his pressing of 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 Forrest was was amazing. He was he was bursting a gut. Um, he 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 made quite a few challenges in the press. His ball recovery was was brilliant. Like when the ball dropped in the box, he was there. He was going in for challenges, and a lovely taken finish. A lovely taken finish. Slightly fortunate with a tiny deflection, I think. I think we saw in the replay. Um, so it wasn't as straight as a bullet as it looked from, from where we were stood behind the goal. Um, but yeah, uh, lovely, lovely performance. And yeah, for me, no brainer. If Jesus is injured, he should be there. And and and, do you know what? I kind of also just want to say, if he continues over the next few games to play this way and say Jesus isn't backed by the Spurs game or the United game, and uh, he's still playing like that. Jesus has got to earn the shirt back if he keep if Eddie keeps scoring. Eddie's scoring one one goal game uh, or one goal even one goal every other game because Saka, and Martinelli, or Trossard are coming in with goals. And he's continuing to put put in performances how he is. Jesus has got to earn the shirt back. He's not just a default. Go straight into the starting lineup. Um Yeah, impressed by Eddie. Good performance but you mentioned here Fox in the box and made himself a nuisance. So what's your perspective?
0: Yeah, I did. He was like I say, a proper, a proper number nine, getting himself about mucking into everything that was going on, causing problems for the defense. I think like you said, there was one time where he put pressure on Turner panicked and he, he sliced the ball and we were kind of unlucky, you know, any other day you might get one of those on target. If you've got that little deflection off the, when he's kicked out, um, I we see a lot of slander a lot on the timeline in facebook and in instagram about Eddie Nketiah because he's not gabi jesus and i think we even thought we weren't sure at the start of the season who's who's going to play where and why and we we're pretty clear now i think 99.9% sure that mm-hmm. uh, balogun is is out the door he's he's playing amongst the the undesirables in uh, of of cedric suarez uh, who else was there? Uh, Sambi Laconga, Nuno Tavares, Tavares. and uh, and Balogun. Um, and Eddie, Eddie's the choice, and I think partly why I've talked about he is just the utmost professional. Um, he is so well spoken. We we listened on the on the, in the car on the way home on Talk Sport. He is so eloquent in his speech. He is so engaged in the way he uh, discusses the game. He is obviously so aware of everyone's thoughts and feelings towards him. And I think he works really, really well with the manager. I think the manager gets a lot of faith in him. Um, and he's a hail ender, right? So for us, um, we we like him and would love to see him do well. And it's so um, I, I do feel, and I, maybe we'll see if this gets vindicated or not in future pods, um, against the Forest, against Palace in particular for the next game, a Fulham, a Bournemouth. You know, I think that Eddie will always do well I think he's a striker that that has found a really easy level within those games I'm just I think you said this on a previous pod that when we played against City the reason why he wasn't picked is because of the difference that Havertz will be able to bring to those games where you're playing against different opposition and so maybe we will see that it'd be interesting to see how and when Gabi Jesus does make his way back into this squad where and if he fits in or maybe we just mix it up depending on the opposition part of that versatility. Um, but yeah, like a proper proper striker performance today.
1: Yeah, and and just to add to that point you mentioned there, like you know, there's a couple of teams in the league I don't I don't have as much confidence with Eddie, only because when you put Eddie in there, and even with Gabby, I think it's a plus, I think I reference. I think it's a challenge. City and Liverpool are two teams that I think with a small, low center of gravity striker. Um we we struggle. Like we, we're not beating Van Dyke um at times. We're not beating a Diaz. Um we just have a bit of a challenge in those games with that kind of striker. And and, and I think that's when you do use Havertz and that makes sense. And I think there was a, some stats going around like Havertz wins two thirds of his ball uh, in the air jewels. He's got good stats for that kind of game, which I'm happy with. He doesn't have to score in those games, in my opinion. I know that people will say, well, if he's playing in that position, he expects goals. I know you've said that, that you expect goals. If if we're only playing him in certain games for tactical reasons, I don't care if he scores or not. As long as he's winning the jewels, he needs to win. He's bringing the ball down. He's turning on the go. He's sit and then, and then allowing the counter-attacks to flow with Martinelli and Saka, finding the holes. And they, they're scoring. I, I don't care. Um, but yeah, I think Eddie is more suited. Even United, Eddie had a good game against United last year. you know, like, you know even United, I, I'm happy for Eddie to play. But there's a couple of particular teams in our league where I think we have to have a bigger striker. Um I wanted to just uh, give a mention and talk about Bacayo because of his goal. Um, I know we didn't I don't think we've we've got him on our topics so this to talk about, but um we were we we sat right behind the goal and the clock end, so we saw all of the goals. And I think just the moment that that ball hit the net, I think we both turned to each other, mouths open wide, kind of were just like, bloody hell. That was, that, that, that finish was sublime. It was, it was beautiful. Um, and yeah, he had a, Saka just had one of his games when they can't deal with him. Um, at least in the first half he was exceptional in the first half and they ended up double up doubling up on him but then you bring in odegaard to support him you find the gaps there's a the triple there was a the triple point. up at
0: times when we were seeing
1: it they just uh like
0: you say teams have become a bit wise to cut inside from saka and so they are but it does free up other positions on the pitch to, to kind of drive forward as well then
1: yeah but it, i think you saw ben ben white's interview with uh, might have been ESPN or one of the uh someone before the beginning of the season, he basically said his job is to make Saka look as look like the best player in the world. You know, he's making those committed runs knowing he won't get necessarily get the ball. And then he made quite a few of those overlaps yesterday in front of us and then Saka still chose to cut in and do what he does. So um it's working that side. It doesn't matter how many they double up on us. When you've got Saka and Odegaard in that space, you can put as many people as you want there. They will They'll find a way through. Mm. So, um, yeah, impressive performance from Saka. So, I just wanted to give that a reference.
0: Yeah, no worries. Lots to talk about on this one, but like I say, maybe not enough room for Saka. We've we've obviously talked about him a lot. But the next topic was about the the atmosphere at the ground and maybe the the part in which the ballot, so the change to Arsenal's ticketing system, has potentially played in that atmosphere. I'd be interested if you had any thoughts or feelings to all this. I certainly do, Jace. I'm just interested to see if they. Cooperate with with what you're feeling towards it.
1: Well, I want to give you the floor first because you said you're 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 quite aggrieved by this. Understandably, that gives you a bit of a view of my thoughts. So go on, floor is yours, Greg.
0: So I, I am agree only because of where. So we we commonly sit when we go to the games in the clock end, the lower concourse. It's very very close to the Ashburton Army, who I think we both kind of agree have brought uh, an evolution to Arsenal's atmosphere. I, I wouldn't necessarily say they' it's all because of them, but they've played a significant part in our transformation um, as a club. Um, they have embodied the spirit of our, our crowd. They have got the team going. They have introduced new songs, new chants. Um, and unfortunately, it seems this season they've had their allocation cut by a significant amount. And the way in which the, the ballot works, so for those who might not be too familiar with Arsenal system, previously you used to be a member, and if you'd get on at 10 o'clock in the morning on the day of the sale, you'd be able to get inside a queue and buy the tickets. I think usually there would be circa six thousand, three 000 to 6,000 tickets available for the mid-tier of memberships that uh, both myself and Jason have access to. And what's happened now is they basically just open up a ballot where anybody of that ticketing level can apply for a ticket in a four-day window and then they're just randomly um given out and it was obvious um that the ballot had taken place by the people that we were sat with commonly we we sit with people we see the same faces we we see a lot of the recognize the same people um a certain type of fan the ones that would like to go all of the time and that they're they're vocal they chant a lot we usually sat right next to the away fans there's a lot of banter and this this time was a lot more families um a lot more children and and that's not to say that that's not right because obviously I love taking my children to the games as well but I think one thing that it does impact is the crowd I I saw it when the Monaco game so that's a friendly in the Emirates Cup there's just the it's the same song it's uh why do we hate Tottenham uh stand up if you hate Tottenham is is the is the the songs that are just kind yeah. of archetypal for Arsenal fans that don't mean anything in the context of the game that you're playing um and they're just a bit docile and I do feel that the, those two things combined so the the um the lack of Ashburton Army um and the difference in the crowd made a big difference I saw a picture after the game of the the the, the, the cues for the armory um and they were they were out the door they were massive by all accounts and that actually tells me a lot about who I think is turning up to this game it's more the people that don't get to go very regularly and thus they are taking full advantage of the the um hospitality in the shop and all the other kind of things that come with it at the ground like I said that's not a bad thing of course I'd love more people to get to Arsenal games as possible but one thing I do think it happens is is our crowd is our atmosphere and I think we all know as Arsenal fans that have watched games in the stadium as soon as we do bad and our crowd turns against the side, it, it's only going to get worse. It very rarely gets better for us when the crowd are on the backs of the players. We saw it with Shaka, and I just I just you know last year was such. And me and you, Jason, were there for for a, a lot of games last season. It was the best it has ever been. It was electric. The atmosphere was crazy. There were so many great memories from that season. Even when we didn't win it, it was my favourite. Season be an arsenal fan in the ground and i just don't want that to kind of go away i think is, is where i'm feeling so i'm quite emotive about it because i'm scared of where it could take us
1: yeah it's it's i don't disagree with anything you said like it's a it's a difficult one because you want there to be new fans you want everyone to be able to experience the emirates um be you're right. There was, if we talk about exactly where we sit, we sit very close to the Ashburton Army. I think if you combine the volume of them and the number of people they had last year, then combined with what I would say aren't always, the area we sit isn't always season ticket holders, but we're talking about common silver members um where we're always able to get tickets. And it's like when... You know we've sat in the same place in the same area of the grounds pretty much even in the same section um definitely always the same block and and the section inside for years i mean I, I lost count how many years we've been going there um so you do recognize the people and 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 everyone else does the same thing too um so when your son you're sat with the ashburton army and they 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 have definitely helped Generate that atmosphere, and we're playing well. We're we're always we're always singing. I mean, I'm singing for the first five minutes, and then my voice goes. But you're you're you've got a particularly strong voice. Grebsa Greb is one of the key uh, key figures. That always starts chants. Um, when you've got the Ashman army combined with all the reggers that sit there, and 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 we're playing well, there is a vibe, there is an atmosphere, there is a click between those people and the, the 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 noise it gets louder um the intensity gets more just by the crowd and that that is felt by the players really clearly felt by the players um the problem with the ballot in this scenario it doesn't hold that it doesn't have that knowledge they have not i'm assuming they have not built a computer algorithm that is looking at who's buying tickets and where they should be placed. And if they're evenly, even if they're evenly spacing them, like it was very clear that it was a different set of people sat in the area we have, which meant that you just had people were coming to the games with different perspectives and different views on how they want to enjoy the game. And that's absolutely fine, but we lost something. Um, We did lose something and it was felt by you and and myself like there was i would say there was four people around a massive group who were starting chants or singing chants it was me you uh spence uh, and the guy in front and maybe there might I be more I... guy behind but there was it's... like so there was like five, five of us and usually you would have 10 20 30 and then you've got ashburton next to us as well and that atmosphere just wasn't there um there were a lot more younger uh, uh younger people around us kids let's be honest and and that's not a problem um but there's also a challenge in the clock end particularly where everyone stands no one sits in the clock end everyone stands uh and, and I remember seeing like the the guy in front was like saying to a guy a guy two seats in front like sit down because that kid's first time here like he wants to see the game and the guy was like mm, <laughs> no. Like, like. Because so this is the
0: problem with that, because you, you know, you can't sit down because the people in front of you aren't sitting you down, sit and thus that needs to trickle down to fifteen to twenty different people. Yeah. I but get the not whole can stand. block, it's like, yeah, it, everyone stands. Like in the, the whole block of 30 rows bank and the, and the, clock. the clock end, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and, and and like, I think to the to 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 the right of me again, another a, a family who who weren't as engaged with um with singing and stuff like that. They were engaged in the game, but not as much singing. And um anyway, everyone's allowed to do what they want when they come to the game. there's no rules um but I think we know from what Mikel has purposely tried to drill into the squad he's tried to drill in um sorry into the squad and into the fans and into the club in general that increase of atmosphere um I think the ballot needs to be done better so that people that are coming to the games can come to the uh, are come to the games to to experience it in the way they want. That's absolutely fine we need to identify how we um, find those people and give them the appropriate seating and allocation and how you find the people that want the atmosphere that we want and and can have that kind of allocation. Um, Whether that's just a simple survey when you buy the tickets, you know, a a survey question, do you want to chant uh, or sing and chant? (laughs) Yes or no? Like, you know, or on a scale, how much singing are you going to be doing? Something really, I, I know this sounds stupid, but, Generally, we need to find a way in which, which we we don't lose that atmosphere. Um, that's really, really important to the team's motivation. Now, I'm being, trying to be really cautious. This is not about criticising the people who came to the game um, and how they engaged in the game. Everywhere, every every um, fan is entitled to engage the game any way they want. Um, but when there is a group of fans who do want an atmosphere and want to be able to have that ability to create an atmosphere, for the benefit of the team and the team's performance and to get behind the team when they go down as well. Right. So when we went one goal down, usually we are right behind them as soon as we go down, there was a smuttering of that in our end, but never the same way it was when we usually let a goal in, when we get right back behind them. So we Mm -hmm. need to just find a way in which we can keep that. And, um, yeah, sorry, I rambled on a long, a long time about this actually, but I think it turns out I'm quite passionate about it. Actually, I didn't realize I was. Um, I think part of the reason so, why
0: the ballot exists, there, yeah. right, was to,
1: to mainly stop touts
0: and uh, fraudsters and stuff. And uh, we've probably not got enough time to even talk about the absolute fiasco of the getting into the ground. Luckily, myself, Jason, and Spence were were in early doors, but there was an, an absolute nightmare. The kickoff was delayed by 30 minutes because of it um And this is the, the ballot was brought in to stop touts, and I just can't understand how this is the solution they came up with. It feels like such a archaic, disparate, and unfair system um, to bring forward. When everyone who buys a ticket at Arsenal has a pass, you know the address and the person that that pass is associated with. If it's buying multiple tickets and it's not that person coming in, then just ban them. I I really don't understand it. Anyway, we, we could wax lyrical about all of this, I'm sure, uh, for a whole podcast, right, Jace?
1: Yeah, I was just trying to uh I was just looking at something because there was another point that I had. I wanted to check it. So there were a lot of empty seats. I I I I noticed in the upper tier, especially. And if we like so we have access to silvers, we've also got reds. So we've gone in for the ballot for United. Uh, and and missed out on silvers it was annoying then we missed out on reds we've gone into silver for spurs didn't get them we've put our two reds in we'll see if we get them i've not got any hopes um but there were loads of empty seats but then there's no tickets on the exchange and i'm just sorry that was really it really annoys me really makes me angry because i want to be there i want to be in the ground i'm happy to pay the money i don't care how much it is just let me have my ticket and let me get in the ground there's empty seats. Let me go. And, and it's just really frustrating. I, I, I was counting handfuls. And it's not just like the odd one or seat. There were like sections of fours and fives and twos and threes. And, and and then it was really disappointing to see in the upper tier. It made me made me quite angry because like, yeah, along with the ballot not quite working out at the moment, then you're seeing empty seats. And it's really frustrating when you're a fan who wants to be in the ground. Mm. Really frustrating. Because we can't go. Well, you you've luckily got the the uh, the 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 um the room for the or, is it the autism sensory room sensory, sensory room. room? So the sensory room for United, but I haven't, and and we the moment we've not got Spurs, and um, we might not get the Champions League games coming. So to know that the, the, there's potentially going to be empty seats in the ground, and and I can't have a ticket it infuriates me so much because all I want to do is get in there and support team. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and That's right. I think an, I, I had another
0: point now as well because only just last thing then, just to say like, you know, we, we've been through a lot of dark days at Arsenal. We've been, we've been going for about 15 years quite, quite religiously. We, we've had the bad. We want the good. And I don't want to give up the good for some people that don't like, want to go to their one game a season when they can be bothered to turn up. But that is frustrating for me, the same as for you. Like I, I get that people want to have their heyday and come in and enjoy the experience. But you know, I've dealt, I've dealt with playing Wigan and losing to Wigan. I- I've dealt with Champions League nights and being knocked out in the last sixteen. I- I've had my bad. I want my good. Europa League. Well, yeah, not- enough said. Right, let's move on to the parking lot, Jace. Uh, there's one uh, big uh, hole that you'd like to talk about in the Spurs team that is no longer there. Tell me what happened with Harry Kane at Bayern Munich.
1: Well, I just watched it and I thought it was. Well, it's not. I, I don't think you can say that. Uh, I, I made a joke. Has Harry cursed Bayern? <laughs> uh, but he only had 25, 15, well, he didn't have that long on the pitch. He didn't really look. I think he only touched the ball a few times and they clearly don't know how to play with him yet. He's not like it's not like the the uh, the muscle memory of Lewandowski kicks in for the rest of the Bayern team. They know how to find him, it's, he's a different kind of player. So, um, but overall, Bayern was shocking. They got absolutely annihilated by Leipzig. Uh, Leipzig 3 0. Um, so many even chances they didn't score. And I was seeing them counter through, through sent right through the center of Bayern's defense. Um, multiple times, so they didn't play well. Um, I kind of wanted Bayern to win just so that we could see Harry Harry, Harry Kane wins a trophy with his first game since leaving Spurs. That would have been quite funny, but um, yeah, just interesting to see him in another shirt and 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 see him in another team. Um, and that, yeah, has 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 uh, has Harry cursed Bayern. Don't know. I guess we'll find it's, out.
0: It's, it's win win, though, right, Jace? because even. He'll win something eventually, but I just I do find it relatively funny at the moment that he can go in and you can't take Spurs out of a uh, you can take Kane out of Spurs, but you can't take the Spurs out of Kane. And he's obviously taken his uh, losing mentality along with him into the the uh, Bundesliga Super Cup. Just funny and I think that the best thing you might not have seen it, there's a great clip of him uh they, they had a penalty uh, shout I think penalty for, for Leipzig that they had uh Bayern players crowded the referee um they're all obviously talking German and he just looked like a deer in headlights he was like oh my God what are they saying I have no idea how do I get involved with this and decided just to keep his mouth shut and just stare open-mouthed
1: yeah, the Arsenal gentleman on Twitter, uh, he posted a very funny kind of tweet, uh, which is basically in German, and it basically translated to something along the lines of um, what Harry Kane was saying to the referee, which was, uh, which was, don't you know, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the captain of the England national team. As in, Harry always got away with stuff in in, in the Premier <laughs> League because he was the England captain, and he's not going to be able to get away with it in Germany, which I found quite funny. Yeah, I mean, um,
0: the, the fact that hopefully he's never going to have another North London derby uh, penalty is is the, the best thing. The best thing.
1: Yeah, indeed. So yeah, maybe it's sour grapes from us, but we're kind of happy as well. Maybe. Um. Uh. One last one last question. Is the Undivided Desirables training by themselves? Sorry, Undesirables is what we called them because of the four PSG players that were training by themselves called the Undesirables. And then we had the picture of uh, Balogun, Suarez, Suarez? Not uh, Suarez. Uh, oh, yeah, Cedric Suarez. Sorry, I was thinking of Lou Suarez. <laughs> but uh, Suarez, uh, Balogun, Laconga, and Tavares were clearly, I uh, had a picture uh, um, together that implied that they were training by themselves and not with the squad um my question to you is that good for business for us
0: uh no i don't think it is i think if you've got players that you want to sell you want to put them in the best light and putting them together and and creating an environment of which you've got four relatively uh disengaged angry young men who want to kind of get out just doesn't paint the right picture i need them all to have the same attitude as eddie and ketia get your heads down get part you know play your part do well in training and you'll get picked i think there was a quote from eddie this week where he was basically hounding Arteta, going, i'm starting look at what i'm doing in training i'm starting um and we're not seeing it from them and i think it just devalues them a little bit in the market i just don't think we're going to get anything good I mean, other than Balogun, and even then, I think we're going to go less than the fifty million that I think we deserve for him, based on the the market yeah. rate for other going strikers. But we, we we need to sell. We're going to have to sell, and that's the thing. Those two things coupled together make it very easy for other clubs to lowball us in the, in that um park.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, but I also think it's something about their attitude that's why they're not trading with us as well. I we don't um, want to bring down because... the rest of the squad,
0: right? I'm guessing
1: well i, I say said i don't know anything about their attitude to be clear however i do know about rob holding's attitude and he mm. isn't going to be a player that i feel is probably in the squad and staying with us either but he's still training with the first team he he's come on in pre-season he's had minutes he was on the bench of the community shield um and so there's like Yes, Rob's been at the club for a very, very long time. He's big with the squad, as you were saying to me the other day. Like he's loved. But like he's still giving everything. He's still doing exactly what Arteta wants of him, even if he's not as good as Arteta wants him to be. And so he still has that privilege of being able to train with the squad, but they don't. And that uh, that, that 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 must be for a reason.
0: Yeah, I mean Rob Holland's a, a consummate professional, right? So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any situation where he would be ostracized, even if he's on the way out the door. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, that wraps up uh, another episode for us. I'm going to do my new thing that I started in the last one, Jace, and I know that you know how to reply. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, Jace, what should the audience do?
1: So if you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment, ask us a question, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, not a thumbs down, uh, and if if you're li- and Greb, if you're listening on any of our podcast providers, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what should you do? Uh,
0: so, Jay, if you if you're looking at your screen, you're on Spotify. You'll see a, a little star bar that will come up, and it'll give you the option to go one, two, three, four, or five stars. Tell you one thing: I don't want to see anything less than five. I want to see great reviews. If you're doing four or below then tell me about it because I'm going to be turning up to your house asking you why. I want to know. I want to know how you could ever blander this podcast for a four-star or less. So five-star reviews only, please.
1: Unless you live further than about 350 miles away. It's yeah, great. then That's I don't electric, want to do that. Might, exactly. The Tesla won't go that far. I'll
0: find a super <laughs> on the way, I'm sure. Right. Thank you very much for listening and enjoying our content. We'll see you again uh, next week when we uh, play Crystal Palace. Um, until then, goodbye, good evening, and thank you very much.
1: Cheers, guys. Have a great week. Speak to you later.